0: Welcome to the Texas Instruments Third Quarter 2023 Earnings Conference Call. I'm Dave Paul, Head of Investor Relations, and I'm joined by our Chief Financial Officer, Rafael Lazardi. For any of you who missed the release, you can find it on our website at ti.com ir. This call is being broadcast live over the web and can be accessed through our website. In addition, today's call is being recorded and will be available via replay on our website. This call will include forward-looking statements that involve risks and uncertainties that could cause TI's results to differ materially from management's current expectations. We encourage you to review the notice regarding forward-looking statements contained in the earnings release published today, as well as TI's most recent SEC filings for a more complete description. Today, we'll provide the following updates. First, I'll start with a quick overview of the quarter. Next, I'll provide insight into third quarter revenue results with some details of what we're seeing with respect to our end markets. Lastly, Raphael will cover the financial results, give an update on capital management, as well as share the guidance for our fourth quarter, 2023. Starting with a quick overview of the quarter, revenue in the quarter came in about as expected at $4.5 billion, flat sequentially, and a decrease of 14% year-over-year. Analog revenue declined 16%, embedded processing grew 8%, and our other segment declined 32% from the year go quarter. Now I'll provide some insight into our third-quarter revenue by market. During the quarter, automotive growth continued and industrial weakness broadened. Similar to last quarter, I'll focus on a sequential performance as it's more informative at this time. First, the industrial market was down mid-single digits, with weakness broadening across nearly all sectors. The automotive market continued to grow and was up mid-single digits. Personal electronics was up about 20% off a low base. And next, communications equipment was down upper teens. And finally, enterprise systems grew upper single digits. Given where the market is now, it's a good time to remind everyone of our plan and areas of strategic investments. First, our confidence in the secular growth of semiconductor content per system, especially in industrial and automotive, remains high, and we're well positioned in these markets. Second, our long-term 300-millimeter manufacturing roadmap provides our customers with geopolitically dependable capacity. To support these build-outs and enable future growth, we continue to expect associated capital expenditures to be about $5 billion per year through 2026. In addition, we made good progress on our inventory replenishment, consistent with our long-term objectives to support growth and provide high levels of customer service. Raphael will now review profitability, capital management, and our outlook. Thanks, Dave, and good afternoon, everyone.
1: Third quarter revenue was $4.5 billion, down 14% from a year ago. Gross profit in the quarter was $2.8 billion, or 62% of revenue. From a year ago, gross profit decreased primarily due to lower revenue and, to a lesser extent, higher manufacturing costs associated with planned capacity expansion and reduced factory loadings. As a reminder, LFAB-related charges transitioned to cost of revenue in the fourth quarter of 2022. Gross profit margin decreased 690 basis points. Operating expenses in the quarter were $923 million, up 7% from a year ago and about as expected. On a trailing 12-month basis, operating expenses were $3.7 billion, or 20% of revenue. Operating profit was $1.9 billion in the quarter, or 42% of revenue, and was down 29% from the year-ago quarter. Net income in the third quarter was $1.7 billion, or $1.85 per share. Earnings per share included a 5-cent benefit for items that were not in our original guidance. Let me now comment on our capital management results, starting with our cash generation. Cash flow from operations was $1.9 billion in the quarter, and $6.5 billion on a trailing 12-month basis. Capital expenditures were $1.5 billion in the quarter, and $4.9 billion over the last 12 months. Free cash flow on a trailing 12-month basis was $1.6 billion. In the quarter, we paid $1.1 billion in dividends and repurchased about $50 million of our stock. In September, we announced we would increase our dividend by 5%, marking our 20th consecutive year of dividend increases. This action reflects our continued commitment to return free cash flow to our owners over time. In total, we have returned $5.6 billion in the past 12 months. Our balance sheet remains strong with $8.9 billion of cash and short-term investments at the end of the third quarter total debt outstanding was $11.3 billion, with a weighted average coupon of 3.5%. Inventory at the end of the quarter was $3.9 billion, and days were 205 down two days sequentially. Inventory was up $179 billion in the third quarter, less than half the increase versus the prior quarter, as we near our desired inventory levels. Therefore, we began to lower factory starts in the third quarter which results in additional charges to the income statement. This impact is comprehended in our outlook. For the fourth quarter, we expect TI revenue in the range of $3.93 to $4.27 billion and earnings per share to be in the range of $1.35 to $1.57 as we continue to operate in a weak environment. Lastly. We continue to expect our 2023 effective tax rate to be about 13 to 14%. As you are looking at your models for 2024, based on current tax law, we would expect our effective tax rate to remain about what it is in 2023. In closing, we will stay focused in the areas that add value in the long term. We continue to invest in our competitive advantages, which are manufacturing and technology, a broad product portfolio, reach of our channels, and diverse and long-lived positions. We will continue to strengthen these advantages through disciplined capital allocation and by focusing on the best opportunities, which we believe will enable us to continue to deliver free cash flow per share growth over the long term. With that, let me turn it back to Dave.
0: Thanks, Raphael. Operator, you can now open the lines for questions. In order to provide as many of you as possible an opportunity to ask your questions, please limit yourself to a single question. After our response, we'll provide you an opportunity for an additional follow-up. Operator?
2: Thank you. At this time, we'll be conducting a question and answer session. If you would like to ask a question, please press star 1 on your telephone keypad. A confirmation tone will indicate your line is in the question queue. You may press star 2 if you would like to remove your question from the queue. For participants using speaker equipment, it may be necessary to pick up your handset before pressing the star keys. Our first question comes from the line of Stacey, uh Rasgon with Bernstein Research. Please proceed with your question.
3: Hi, guys. Uh, thanks for taking my questions. For my first one, I, I did want to ask about gross margins. So, I mean, depending on what I assume for OPEX next, where I'm getting something like 250 basis points of compression, maybe more. I know you talked a little bit about how some of that is the impact of utilization. Can you give us some feeling for... I guess like the magnitude of the different drivers, utilization, lower revenue depreciation, pricing, and how we ought to be thinking about that trajectory as we get into the next year. Like is is, is, is there is there is there more more to go, I guess, is what I'm
0: asking.
1: Yeah, so thanks, Stacey. Let me uh let me try to help you with that. Of course we uh for the forecast we give uh, a range on revenue and a range on EPS, not the pieces. But let me let me go through um some some of what I said for third quarter, which applies uh, um, for fourth quarter and beyond. So, uh, so for third quarter, like I said in the preferred remarks, uh, uh, in third quarter, gross profit decreased primarily due to revenues so as the first uh, driver. Then, to a lesser extent, higher manufacturing costs associated with plant capacity expansion, namely depreciation, is the main one there, and reduced uh, factory loadings, and that's the uh, the underutilization component. Um, then, as I also said in the prepared remarks, inventory, which is the other side of, of the coin, uh, as we near desired levels of inventory, we begin lowering factories starting the third quarter. So there was an impact in third quarter due to that on uh, on the income statement. There will be a bigger impact in uh, in fourth quarter uh, due to that. Uh, beyond that, you know, we're not forecasting, but, of course, that will depend on revenue expectations well into, uh, into next year. Do you have a follow-up?
3: I do thanks. Um, so you gave us a little color on the end market uh, behavior in q three. Can you give us some some thoughts on at least even qualitatively what to expect by end market into Q four, and particularly for auto, it sounds like auto in Q three was still so strong. Do you still see that strength continuing into into Q four and the year end?
0: yeah, stacy i'll'll' uh, I'll, I'll take that. Um, you know when you look at the uh, the guidance uh, uh, it would suggest, and we believe that we continue to operate in a in a weak environment. Uh, in general, um, and uh, if there was something significant that was uh, was changing from one quarter to the next, uh, as our typical practice, uh, you know, we highlight that, and we just don't have anything to uh, to specifically call out uh, for uh, for into fourth quarter. So, thanks, uh, and we'll go to the next caller,
2: please. Our next question comes from the line of Timothy Timothy Acuri with UBS. Please proceed with your question.
3: Thanks a lot, um, Dave. I also had a question on um, autos. It sounds like it's holding in there despite this broadening strike, and 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 I guess the question is, um, are more of your customers on consignment in that business, or is the split in autos about the same as that? You know, two third, one third versus the rest of the company. And I ask because I'm wondering, sort of, what you're seeing on the on the uh, you know disty side that you would sell into autos. Do you see bookings at least weakening that would be more consistent with with what we're seeing in you know terms of this strike and, you know, some of the weak macro numbers that we see.
0: Sure. Yeah. And, uh, you know, as we mentioned in the prepared mar- remarks, it was up, uh, auto was up mid-single digits sequentially, uh, and it was up 20% when you look uh, year on year. So uh, obviously, uh, you know, that growth had continued. Um, in general, I would say that, you know, uh, a uh, market like um, uh, automotive and personal electronics will have uh, larger customers those larger customers tend to uh, uh be biased uh to to more consignment so uh we would have uh, that probably more in in automotive uh than if i contrast it to a, a market perhaps like industrial um but overall uh as you know we've moved to having closer direct relationships uh, with customers uh which would include uh, uh, uh the, the customers that we have in automotive and i i think we service Pretty close to a thousand or so uh, different uh, automotive OEMs, so uh, there is quite a bit of broad uh, broadness in, in in who we serve there. You have a follow on Tim?
3: I do, Dave. Yeah. So, um, what would it take to for you to think about cutting capex? Um, and I ask because the plan was put into place when you know revenue was quite a bit higher than where it is today. Is there kind of a line in the sand for revenue where you would reconsider the plan? I know. You've actually increased the plan Well, you know, revenues continue to weaken. But is there some, like, tree around, you know, is there some – if it weakens to this point, you would consider cutting CapEx? Just, you know, wondering any comments there, things.
1: Yeah, let me comment on that. Uh, you know, we're very pleased with the progress on our manufacturing expansion. They will provide geopolitically dependable capacity for uh, to support customer growth uh, for uh, the coming decade. And as you know, uh, semiconductor content uh, continues to increase, uh, and to provide us the ability to grow at that 10% uh, growth rate that we talked about at the last capital management call, if the market requires that, uh, we'll continue to uh, to uh, make those investments. So we continue to expect $5 billion of capex per year uh, in 23, 24, 25, and 26. So uh, you should count on that. Let me. Um, let me also give everyone as a reminder, uh, uh, these CAPEX numbers are gross, meaning they do not include benefits from the ITC or grants uh, from the CHIPS Act. Uh, so we're actively working through the grant application process with the CHIP Program Office, which we believe will be meaningful to our manufacturing operations in Texas and Utah and will help support uh, semiconductor growth uh, for decades to come. And funding from the the CHIPS Act grants was comprehended in
2: our decision-making for these investments.
0: Great. Thank you, Tim. Uh, We'll go to the next caller,
2: please. Our next question comes from the line of Ross Seymour with Deutsche Bank. Please proceed with your question.
0: Hi, guys. Thanks for asking the question. Uh, In the third quarter, I think it was the first time in a few years that you guys – just came in at the midpoint of your guidance. Usually, you beat it by two, three, four percent, something like that. So, I guess my question is, anything strange in the linearity in the quarter, either by end market, just aggregate bookings? Any color on that you could provide? Uh, nothing strange, um, uh, uh, Ross. I, you know, I'd say that the revenue uh, built as we went through uh, through the quarter. Um, and I'd say just in general, uh, it's reflective of, uh, of a weak, uh, you know, a weak environment that we're operating in. So, which is obvious from the uh, the guidance that we're giving. Do you have a follow-on? I did. Uh, on the end market side of things, you said automotive was up about 20% year over year. I know oftentimes you go between giving sequentials or year over years, but could you give us year over years by the end markets, please? Certainly. Certainly, yeah. So, industrial market was down mid-teens. I mentioned automotive was up uh, about 20%. Uh, personal electronics uh, was down about 30%. Uh, comms equipment was down about 50 and uh, enterprise system was down about uh, about 40 So um, I think consistent with that uh, uh, weaker environment that we talked about. So thank you, Ross. And We'll go to the next caller, please.
2: Our next question comes from the line of Toshia Harry with Goldman Sachs. Please proceed with your question.
4: Hi, guys. Thanks for taking the question. Um, I was hoping you guys could elaborate a little bit on the pricing environment. Um, I think many of us have been picking up evidence of the, the pricing environment, particularly in Asia, intensifying over the past couple of months or a couple of quarters. Um, you don't really give pricing as a reason for gross margins to, to be down sequentially year over year, but what kind of role is Pricing playing, you know, has your strategy changed at all? Whether it be on the analog side or the MCU side.
0: Yeah. So uh, thanks, thanks for that uh, that question. Uh, always helpful to, uh, to to be able to clarify that. Um, you know, I, and first I'll just start with, you know, pricing doesn't move quickly uh, in in our markets. Um, it's it, you know, nor is it a primary reason that customers choose our products. So you know, we're typically agreeing to pricing that's out uh, six months or on an annual basis for the following year. Uh, and uh, so we're continuing to move through that. Our, our pricing strategy, as we mentioned before, hasn't changed. Uh, so, you know, we're uh, regularly monitoring, you know, what's going on with pricing. We always have a goal to, to remain competitive. Uh, and certainly, you know, as supply and demand uh, has come into balance or uh, more closer to balance. You know, we've said uh, for some time that we would expect that uh, uh, pricing to behave like it has over the last couple of decades, meaning, you know, low single-digit decline. So, as we move out in time, that's uh, what we're beginning to uh, beginning to see. So, uh, really, uh, no changes uh, other than going back to, uh, to what we've seen um, over the last couple of decades. You have a follow on
4: Yeah, I do. Thanks, Dave. Um, So I guess over the past 12 months, you know, OPEX is up about 10%. Revenue is down about 10%. So as we think about calendar 24, I was hoping you could, you know, give us a hint as to how to think about OPEX. Um, And and Dave, I think you used to give or you had given multi-year guidance on depreciation. Um, How should we, to the extent there are any updates, how should we think about 24 and 25 depreciation? Thank you. Yeah, no, thanks for the question.
1: I'll address uh, both uh, OPEX and uh, depreciation. So uh, on OPEX, um, we've uh, we've held a steady hand on OPEX uh, for many years, and we'll continue to do so. So as an example, to illustrate the point, uh, from 2017 to 2021, we ran at about $3.2 billion of OPEX, um, and then in 22, it ticked up to $3.4 billion. Uh, and now we're running at about $3.7 billion on a trailing 12-month basis. So you can see the steady hand uh, and just a bit of an increase over the last uh, few years. Uh, and that's, uh, as we have held a steady hand with our, our hires, uh our new college hires, and and as we make investments to continue to strengthen uh, the company in the case of, of R&D, uh, the broad portfolio in the case, uh, you know, with sales and TI.com uh, on the reach of our channels. Then on depreciation, uh, so our um, our capEx expansions are unchanged. we talked about that, addressed that uh, with a previous uh, caller, so five billion dollars of capEx per year for the uh, next 23 and three years uh, beyond that, as we have been talking about. Um, now when it comes to depreciation, as time has passed, we have more clarity on what to expect on depreciation. So for fourth quarter, let me start fourth quarter of twenty three, uh, we expect depreciation to increase on a quarterly basis at about the same rate as what we have been seeing throughout 2023. So essentially, we're going to end the year just shy of uh, 1.2 billion dollars, maybe 11, 1190, $11.80, 11 somewhere in that in that range uh, for the for the year. As an update for 2024, we expect depreciation to be between 1.5 and 1.8 billion and for 2025 to be uh, between $2 billion and $2.5 billion.
2: Very
4: helpful. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you, And we'll go to the next caller, please.
2: Our next question comes from the line of Ambrish Srivastava with BMO Capital Markets. Please proceed with your question.
5: Hi. Uh, thank you. Um, I had a question on uh, factory loadings and inventory. So correct me if I'm wrong. I, I thought the thinking up until now has been we got to be ready for the upturn, and so we're building inventory for that. And you have highlighted that over several quarters. Look, we're not we don't have a target, but you did raise the target in terms of uh, how much inventory you want to carry. So this this change, um, which I want to make sure I'm reading it right, that you're taking an underutilization charge because you've reached a desired level of inventory. Is that a reflection that your expectation for the recovery is changing, i.e. you're expecting a slower ramp in revenues than what you perhaps were thinking a couple of quarters ago?
1: Let Let me start, and Dave, if you, if you want to chime in. But we have um, uh, uh, targets for where we want inventory levels to be, and that goes by product and by state of finish of those products. So, for example, of the 80,000 different products that we have, uh, more than the, the vast majority of those are cataloged, meaning they sell to many, many customers. They last for a long, long time. So we can have, uh, so many years of uh, of inventory at the chip level or a finished goods level, in many cases at both levels. Uh, and that's based on uh, our internal process to set those. So those are the, and in aggregate, that's added up to four to four and a half billion dollars. And that's what. We've been kind of guiding to and we've been talking about, Uh, but what really matters is what happens at the at the very specific level and a part by part number. So as we have near those levels, uh, and you see our inventory level inventory levels have increased uh, about 500 million per quarter for two quarters, and then this last quarter 179 million. So clearly this is a deceleration on that growth, and that's on purpose because as we near those levels, then we have slowed down. Uh, the factory starts that goes primarily with the fast, but also with the assembly test operations uh and then we um uh, that slowdown will continue into fourth quarter so the reverse the other side of a uh, slowing your factory loading is the uh, the underutilization charges so as we as we near those levels we are ready uh to be on the other side of this uh of this cycle for the upturn and of course it's not just inventory capacity is is really the bigger driver but you know what we've been doing on that now for a number of years and where we're investing. But in inventory really bridges that uh, that gap as an upturn happens until you get your factories uh, really cranking at, at higher levels.
0: Yeah, and I'll just add uh, and, and bring back to, you know, our capital management uh, that uh, we've been saying, you know, for uh, I think over a decade now, our objective with inventory, you know, is to maintain high levels of customer service, um, uh, keep our lead time stable. Uh, keep product availability really high. So, as we talked about uh, earlier, um, you know ti.com. Uh, really, uh, essentially, all of our catalog products are available uh, for immediate shipment. Uh, lead times are stable, um, and uh, uh, so we are prepared for uh, for that up next upturn when it when it does come. You Have a follow on, Ambree.
5: Yeah, quick one, Dave. Um- just looking at the year-over-year, um, year, now we in the fourth quarter double-digit year-over-year uh, year decline. I'm, and I look back many years, and there have been other cycles where we have had uh, multiple quarters of negative, but not that many times we have seen a double-digit kind of four or five quarter. I just just wanted your perspective on on what what you folks are seeing this cycle versus you know. And I know no cycle is the same, but just kind of give just help investors think about how how to think about that double-digit four quarters. It could be potentially longer year-over-year decline thank you
0: sure yeah and I I think uh, we all know uh, as as being students of uh, studying the the, uh, cycles over the years uh, they're all the same and they're all different uh, um, at at the same time and they're unique Uh, the one thing that is unique of course with this uh, with this cycle is how the markets uh, have behaved differently we've seen bifurcation uh, and really um, uh, lined up very well with when markets recovered so you know pe was the first to recover uh uh and was very strong early on uh, the other markets uh, uh followed very shortly after that uh and automotive uh, was uh, was last uh as you remember uh many automotive manufacturers uh, struggled to restart their factories uh and people weren't going to uh, to showrooms when we were in the midst of the pandemic So, really, uh, as we've seen things uh, begin to roll over, uh, personal electronics was first. It was then followed by the other markets, and yet we still have uh, automotive that's hanging in there. So, I think that's uh, the one thing that's that's unique. Um, And, you know, I think as we've learned and and studied the the cycles, our product portfolio has changed as well over time. Uh, But the best time to be preparing for the upturn is before it shows up. So, uh, that's what we're, we've been busy doing, and uh, we think we're in a great position to uh, uh, to, uh, to, to uh,
2: support the next upturn and to, to continue to gain share. So, thank you, Amrish.
0: We'll go to the next caller, please.
2: Our next question comes from the line of Vivek area with Bank of America Securities. Please proceed with your question.
6: Uh, thanks for taking my question. Um, I wanted
2: to go back to automotive um, just to make sure
6: that I understood what you said. Uh, do your comments imply that you're seeing a largely seasonal environment in Q4 with no, you know, changes in terms of orders to traditional or EV customers? And and if that is the case, if I understood it correctly, isn't that surprising given the macro headwinds that sector is facing?
0: Uh, and I'm, uh, Vivek, your question was on third quarter or on fourth quarter?
6: So what is being uh, – I think when you were asked before, you said that if there was anything abnormal, you would have mentioned it. So I assume that because you didn't mention it that it is normal
0: yeah, so yeah, what I said is if there was something that we needed to explain uh, the outlook or unusual or however you want to describe it, we would do that so um, I you know um, I'm not I'm stopping at that point intentionally and um, you know we'll finish up the quarter and report out uh, what happens in fourth quarter. a follow-up.
6: Yeah, on um, depreciation, what is driving the revision? Because your capex doesn't seem to be uh, changing. And then, kind of part B of that is if I take that year on year delta, um, Rafael, I think it's about 400, 500 million or so incremental in 24. So, at the current revenue run rate, uh, that's a two to three point headwind to uh, gross margin. Uh, uh, I just wanted to make sure that I got those two points right.
1: Yeah, so the, for 24, I said uh, 1.5 to 1.8 billion dollars, uh, and that is down from uh, what uh, you probably had before, two billion. And for 2025, I said two billion to 2.5, so that is down from 2.5, uh, uh, which we had uh, uh, said before. And the reason, you know, as, as you pointed out, capex is not changing, so that's not the reason. It's just as time has passed, we have more clarity on what to expect. So, for example. You know, depreciation on, on tools, uh, that doesn't start until the tool is not only received, but installed and then qualified, and that's when depreciation starts. So that doesn't, doesn't happen immediately. So as we have learned more uh, as to uh, how that process works with all the number of tools that we're receiving for the various factories, then uh, we're providing an update uh, on on depreciation. Thank you. And the gross
6: margin headwind is that did I have the calculation right? It's a two to three point headwind on gross margins?
1: Well, so you know, we've given you the tools to calculate uh, gross margin. So let me remind everybody what that is. Uh first is uh is revenue. So if you, you pick the revenue that uh that you believe is gonna happen for the next several years. And this works on a quarterly basis, but of course in the, in any quarter there are a lot of puts and takes. But Better to do it over longer horizons. So you start with revenue, then you fold that through at 70 to 75 percent. Uh, which, by the way, that is uh, reflective of the the great not only geopolitically dependable capacity that we're putting in place, but it is all that new fab capacity is 300 millimeters, so is the has a, uh, a structural cost advantage. Uh, not to mention that we're we're getting ITC and and grant uh, benefits. Uh, as that is installed in the United States. So, um, but uh, so then you uh, you fold that through at 70 to 75 percent. Then you need to account for the added depreciation. So uh, you know this year is probably going to be uh, close to 1.2 billion, and then next year I just gave you 1.5 to 1.8. So you know if you want to pick a point between that, then you get your your added depreciation for 2024. And then um, you know at a at a high level, that's it. Um, but of course, in any given quarter, even in any given year, but especially in any given quarter, you have puts and takes. And one of them that we're seeing right now is the underutilization. But that uh, right now is a headwind. But that can also be a tailwind when we're on the other side and we're uh, we're uh, increasing loadings. And that what does that you know what that does is that it, uh, it then it comes back the other way, right? So, uh, but you know that's more of a of a you know tactical comment that happens in in some quarters. Hopefully,
0: that answers your
2: question. Yeah. Thank you.
0: Thank you. We'll We'll go to the next caller, please.
2: Our next question comes from the line of Joe Moore with Morgan Stanley. Please proceed with your question. Yes, thank you.
0: Um, I wonder if you could walk us through the calculation on the the underutilization charge. I mean, I think it, it seems like with over 200 days of inventory, you would see the cost impact of that. In six months, but you're pulling it forward. Can you just talk about how you determine how much to pull forward?
1: Yeah, um, well, it's, so it's an accounting process, and it's essentially when you're below what's considered normal utilization, uh, that percent that uh, that you're below that norm, and that is generally determined by wafer. In the fab, is wafer starts and outs. In the assembly test operation, is your the number of units that you're producing, and you. Uh, you divide that by the capacity that you can get, the maximum capacity. You establish a normal, uh, which is where you normally expect to be. So that could be 85, 90, 95 percent, depending on the situation. Uh, and whenever you're below that, then you take that percent that you're below, and then you take those those uh, those uh, fixed costs and go those go straight to the P&L instead of going into inventory. Uh, so some of those costs that we call them fixed costs, they some of that are depreciation, but it's not only depreciation. You, know, you have electricity, for example, is largely fixed. You know, you uh, use about the same amount of electricity whether a tool is running production or not, as long as it's, it's plugged in. So, so you take that into account, and then, uh, you know, you, you're at the end of the day, you're not you're not creating money when you do that. You just uh, essentially put it on the balance sheet or the P and L, and in this case, it's going directly into the into the P and L as an in quarter charge because uh, uh, that portion. Of the capacity is not producing. Uh, now, one more comment that gives us tremendous operating leverage on the other side of that, right? Because uh, think about fixed costs. Uh, on the way down, they they hurt a bit, but on the way up, they're fixed, right? So, from a cash standpoint, uh, on the way up, you don't spend any more, and then you get uh, just tremendous uh, cash fall on the on the revenue, uh, particularly when it's 300 millimeter capacity at very low cost
0: follow one Joe uh, great yeah thank you um, yeah separately on the common
5: infrastructure
0: business seemed quite soft both quarter on quarter year on year I know that business isn't um, a focus to, for you guys but can you talk about what's driving that weakness yeah I you know um and and uh, it's it last year was about seven percent of our revenue Joe so Um, You know, we can find great opportunities uh, in comms equipment. We continue to invest. Uh, We just don't think it has the secular growth uh, that other markets like industrial automotive have. So, you know, we continue to make uh, investments there. And, uh, you know, as we've uh, talked about that market uh, over the years, it's one that just tends to be choppy. Uh, We believe that they're uh, continuing to uh, uh, adjust their inventory levels. Uh, As we work our way through this quarter, Um, and as I mentioned uh, earlier, you know it's down 50%. So uh, that's a pretty, uh, pretty significant, uh, significant drop. So, um, yeah. So, so again, long term, we think it's a a great market, uh, and uh, we're we're positioned well there. um, But uh, you know, it will have uh, these types of, uh, types of moves overall. Okay. Thank you. Go
2: to the next caller, please. Our next question comes from uh, Torres uh, Vanberg with Stefo. Please proceed with your question.
5: Yes, thank you, Dave. Thank you, Rafael. Um, so you talked about operating in a weak environment. Um, could you also give us some color on bookings, trends, uh, you know, maybe even, uh, you know, the current run rate versus where you think consumption is? Just, just trying to understand, and, you know, this goes back to Ambrish's question about, you know, four consecutive quarters of double-digit declines. So, yeah, any, any color on color bookings trends would be really helpful.
0: Yeah. So, you know, as I, I mentioned, I think it, as part of a, another question on, on uh, revenue order linearity, there was nothing unusual uh, inside of that. Um, uh, you know, secondly, we, you know, obviously we're describing the environment as being weak. Um, and, and we don't have a system that tells us, you know, are we shipping above or below demand? Uh, you know, the strongest signal that we get is orders from customers. Um, now, you know, as we talked about uh, earlier, com, or a market like personal electronics was the first market to uh, to go into the downturn. Uh, we've had a you know a couple of quarters of growth uh, inside of that market. Now it's up off of a very weak base, uh, but. Uh, um, uh, we are seeing that as a, as a trend. Uh, if you compare that to uh, the industrial market, you know, we had seen that, uh, let's say, you know, let's call it about half of the sectors uh, begin to weaken uh, a couple of quarters ago. It was really this quarter that uh, we saw that that weakness uh, is broadening. Uh, so, you know, customers, uh, we believe, inside of markets like that, inside of markets like Tom's equipment that we said, uh, they're adjusting their their inventories uh, um, uh, as as such. So um, uh, again, that uh, provides us the opportunity uh, both strategically with building the capacity uh, and more tactically uh, building uh, putting in place the inventory to be able to support the next upturn because it will uh, it will certainly come. You have follow on.
5: Yes, thank you. Dave. very helpful. Uh, follow on for Rafael. Raphael thank you for the de- depreciation numbers for the next few years. Um do you also have an update us on the, the timing of the offsets to the depreciation, especially in relation to ITC and, and the CHIPS Act? And anything new there?
1: Um so nothing new, frankly. The the ITC um uh it's, the expectation is similar, uh which is uh, about um uh you know a twenty so twenty five percent credit on uh, on everything that is uh, spent on CAPEX in the U.S. Uh, for FABs. So what we said uh, back in February is that uh, that's going to be roughly uh, $4 billion of the $20 billion or so that uh, for CAPEX, the $5 times four. So roughly about uh, $4 billion of that we're going to get back uh, on ITC, uh, about one-year offset. Uh, of that, we have already accrued $1.2 billion on the balance sheet. Uh, so you you'll see that on their uh, uh, on our balance sheet on their uh, long-term assets uh, a portion of that we will get uh, sometime next year probably by fourth quarter next year is when we expect to get that cash so that's when the cash will start uh, flowing flowing in uh, as I mentioned uh, in an earlier call on an earlier question we are actively applying for the grant so that's going to be in addition uh, to the ITC. Uh, we're not counting on that. We don't have any numbers on that because you have to apply. You have to uh, wait until the, the uh, Department of Commerce makes that decision. But we are—we're um, planning on on receiving then The funding from from the Chips Act uh, grant was comprehended in our decision, and and we firmly believe we are uh, uh, very well positioned to uh, uh, to receive those funds, and we're a great candidate uh, for that. And we believe there will be meaningful. For manufacturing operations in Texas and Utah uh, to support uh, semiconductor growth and the objectives
2: of the uh, of the shift's uh, program office. Great. Thank you, Tory. So
0: we'll go, to, uh, go to the next caller, please.
2: Our next question comes from the line of Harlan Sure with J.P. Morgan. Please proceed with your question. Yeah,
7: thank you. Good afternoon. Um, China headquartered shipments were about 20% of sales for the first half of this year. This, this geography has experienced the most significant decline. I think it was down like 33, 35% year over year in the first half of this year. Much of your China business is focused on industrial. Is this geography continuing to contribute to the weakness here in Q4? And what other geographies are you seeing that that is contributing to this broadening out of? sort of the weak industrial trends?
0: Yeah, so let me – I'll speak to uh, to what we saw, you know, in, in the third quarter. And uh, just in general, uh, in, including industrial in China, uh, continued to remain weak. So I think uh, if we're having this call, you know, a year ago or so, uh, as China came out of COVID, I think uh, most of us would have expected – uh, there to be a more significant rebound, which just hasn't uh, hasn't materialized. So, um, yeah, and I, you know, I think when you look at uh, uh, on a regional uh, basis uh, compared with the year ago, uh, the only region that was up was uh, was Japan. Uh, so the other regions were were down. Um, and so again, just describe that weakness as being uh, very broad uh, in nature. You have a follow on, Harlan? Yeah. Thank you.
7: So your embedded business continues to hold up relatively well, right? Surely in 12 months, it's up 8% year-over-year. You've talked about the positive strategy changes in embedded. Last quarter, you also cited some some constraints. I assume that those constraints have fully normalized. So do you anticipate embedded continuing to hold up, or do you anticipate this segment starting to weaken from here uh, with some of the capacity constraints potentially
3: easing?
0: yeah as we uh as we talked about before um you know we uh, we had focused on uh, uh, changing the product strategy that uh, that we had inside of embedded. I'd say we're very pleased with the results that uh, that we have so far. Uh, our first objective was to stabilize that business and uh, we continue to invest in it because we believe it has uh, long term growth potential uh and uh, contribution to uh to free cash flow. Uh so um uh we're very pleased with, with where we're where we're going. Um I think more tactically um as we talked about last quarter we saw uh, that business does rely more heavily on uh, on on uh, foundry suppliers. Uh we began mm-hmm. to see those uh, uh you know that uh, that capacity uh, begin to free up uh, for us. Um, and um, I, I think that uh, that was different uh, uh, because we had capacity in place to service uh, analog, uh, um, uh, our own capacity uh, there uh, overall. So, um, yeah, so, again, we, we think uh, that business long-term is going to be a great uh, great driver for us uh, uh,
2: in the future. So, thank okay. you, and I think we've got uh, time for, uh, for one more caller. And our next question comes from the line of William Stein with was Securities. Please proceed with your question.
8: Uh, great. Thanks for squeezing me in. Um, Dave, can you remind us what's in the other segment besides calculators and uh, perhaps why that end market was down so much more than the others? I know it's very seasonal from calculators, but there was a big drop year over year.
0: Yeah. So, so uh, besides calculators, uh, we have our uh, DLP uh, or digital light processor uh, products that are in there. Uh so those products are continuing to make their way through uh, uh inventory correction overall uh and uh, uh calculators had uh, had a week uh, weaker back to school uh this uh this season you on uh yeah perhaps
8: uh something that hasn't come up in a while, but lead times um you know we were dealing with this golden screw issue for a while where there were you know, quite a number of parts or quite a big part of the, um, let's say, all the available SKUs that had very extended lead times with revenue down as much as it is. Uh, I'm, I'm guessing that that's mostly resolved and lead times are like sort of stock to four weeks for most things at this point. But if you could um, level set me on that, um, the degree to which there are still extended lead times, that'd be really helpful. Thank you.
0: Sure. Yeah. So, um, and I may have mentioned this earlier, uh, but, uh, you know, uh, almost all of our catalog products are uh, available uh, on TI.com for um, immediate shipment. Uh, and uh, uh, so so as we approach our um, desired level of inventory, uh, we've got a product that is positioned both in finished goods as well as in wafer form to uh, be able to uh, to restock that. Uh, of course, lead times therefore are, um, you know, but I describe normal levels and, and continue to be uh, consistent. Um, and uh, you know, there's probably no time that we don't, with so many different products and so many different customers, we'll have hotspots, but they're very few and uh, and far uh, between. And our ability to close those is. Uh, 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 very, uh, uh, we've got you know flexible manufacturing. Is uh, most of our uh, uh, production is fungible. So with that, I'll ask uh, Raphael to uh, to wrap up the call for us.
1: All right, let me wrap up by reiterating what we have said previously. At our core, we're engineers, and technology is the foundation of our company. But ultimately, our objective and the best metric to measure progress and generate value for owners is the long-term growth of free cash flow per share. While we strive to achieve our objective, we will continue to pursue our three ambitions. We will act like owners who will own the company for decades. We will adapt and succeed in a world that's ever-changing. And we will be a company that we are personally proud to be part of and would want as our neighbor. When we're successful, our employees, customers, communities, and owners all benefit. Thank you, and have a good evening.
2: This concludes today's conference, and you may disconnect your line at this time. Thank you for your participation.